Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Bergio, and I am actually the most excited I've ever been to talk about my numbers. And hopefully you guys are excited to talk about your numbers um, as I am today with Michelle. She is many things, but one, she used to be one of us. I don't think she still practices behind the chair, but she started off as a hairdresser and now has created accounting made, I want to say from what I, I'm going to put these in my own words, simple, easy to understand, and not as scary AF as it used to be for me. Um, So if you guys need to figure out your numbers, if you need more help with um, just kind of profitability, looking at what could be, um, all of the things, we're going to dive into all of that in today's episode. I'm so grateful to have you today, Michelle, because this is something that I don't think gets talked about enough and you actually can never talk enough about your money and the well-being of your business. So, so grateful to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here. So I told Michelle before we hit the record button that I have actually been pretty fortunate to have a best friend who is um, not only, I guess, my bookkeeper, my CPA, my confidant, my salon business coach, She also um, has done taxes over the years for many, many other salons and payroll and all of that. So I think I'm one of many or one of few who has had that kind of support throughout my career. But with even that being said, I definitely made some really bad asshole choices with my money early on in my career, didn't pay attention to my money enough, and I definitely spent more than I made. So, you know, there was one too many times where holy shit, I owe this much at the end of the year in taxes. So Michelle is here to help guide me, answer some questions for you guys, and just kind of lift the veil on what it looks like to actually take care of your business. Um, And actually the most important part of our business, which we have this business to make money, right? Yeah. So Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from being one of us into doing what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to beauty school in high school, actually. And I graduated and I lived in the San Francisco Bay area at the time. And I didn't even know that commission salons were a thing. Like, I didn't know I could be an employee somewhere. I thought I just had to go rent a booth and like start my own business. And I just like, couldn't do that. I was just like, how am I supposed to afford rent in the San Francisco Bay area with no clientele? And I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to run a business. I feel totally like underprepared. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go get a degree in business. And then I'm going to open up a salon after I get my bachelor's. So that was the plan. Um, And then of course it didn't work out that way. (laughs) Um, What the plan didn't work out. (laughs) Shocking. Right. Um, But yeah, I ended up taking accounting courses and found out that I had a real knack for it, which was a surprise to me too. Um, And then I went out on my own um, after many years of like working for another CPA firm and learning the ropes. And I just, when I went out on my own, I was just like, I've got to help the people who were like me, who had no idea what was going on and just like need a little bit of guidance to be pointed in the right direction because just like you were saying, like there's so many things when you're starting out your business and like, even with some support, you can still make mistakes because there's just so much that is going on. So anyways, I'm just thrilled to serve the beauty industry. I love it. That is epic. And I was like ecstatic when I found your page and you know, it's, it's through my, you know, getting out of my comfort zone to grow and to see how else I could help serve our industry as well. That I just knew that like, 
there's so many, so many missing components to this industry when it comes to just going to beauty school. I'm similar to you. I went to beauty school right out of high school and there was no business education involved in it whatsoever. And I didn't go get a degree in any sort of capacity. And I actually watched really bad habits in my industry from previous mentors and bosses around money, around, you know, opening businesses without having a business plan, without having any sort of profit and loss, like best case, worst case. I saw all of that happen. And I remember thinking this business isn't very lucrative and nobody makes money in this industry. No wonder my mom didn't want me to be a hairdresser. And if you're not watching this on YouTube, I've just put up air quotes because when I started out 20 years ago, this industry wasn't something that somebody looked at and thought, Oh, that's lucrative. That's a great career to get into, you know, great choice. It was looked at as that was what you did when you couldn't figure out what else to do and you didn't want to go to college. Um, I am a creative and I wanted to make people feel good. I wanted to be in an industry where I could talk all day. I could stand around. I could have a great community in the salon. And I luckily had that, but again, no business coaching, no nothing. And so I started off as an employee uh, at, a, at a big salon. And that was my first taste of, um, seeing how we got paid out as an employee and, and them not wanting to pay us for overtime and all of that kind of stuff. But they, they ran their salon as a commission salon. So I saw the amount of volume that they did in that salon and how much money that salon brought in. And I would hear from the stylist that they didn't get paid enough and that they, they felt like what they got wasn't enough. And so I'm sure you've seen both sides doing salon numbers for owners and for employees that that's not usually the case. The salon makes very little profit off of what actually gets dispersed in commissions after all said and done with taxes and all of that shit. Right. So, um, I wanted to kind of touch on for people because I know I have a lot of people who went into a commission salon, probably are still in a commission salon building or growing and maybe are comfortable, but are looking to move into rental or a salon suite or potentially even opening a salon. But um, wouldn't you say without knowing their numbers, they don't quite know where to go and don't have the confidence to know when the time is um, and, and how they should even go about doing that. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, you just hit on so many important things. Like it's hard to know. Um, it's really hard to, you know, open up your crystal ball and like kind of figure out the future. And that's what it feels like to create a business plan. And part of that business plan, like you were saying, you kind of have to project like this is best case scenario. This is worst case scenario. You kind of go through like these are the different things that could happen. But unless you at least start making guesses as to what things could look like, then you don't have anywhere to anchor yourself. Once you, you know, kind of put together some different scenarios, then after you're open for a month, you're like, okay, this is the scenario that we actually saw. Now let's start building from there. But at least you have, you know, an anchor point to get to. Right. So let's speak to the stylist because I coach a salon where it's filled with both with both uh, renters and commission stylists. Um, I do meet with them monthly and I find that even though these girls are comfortable and they're making a, a really large amount of money a month, they, they still think or look to rental as being the step you graduate into um, and that that's the end goal that all stylists should move into. Would you say that to be true or would you say that it depends on obviously the situation? Like what, what advice would you give to somebody who's kind of in that state where business is flowing, the salon is feeding them clients, and um, they just feel like the next step would be to move into rental. 
Okay. Can I share with you like my controversial opinion? Yes. <laughs> um, okay. I, I believe that a salon, like a commission-based salon or employee-based salon, you could have an entire career there, but that is up to the salon owner to provide those opportunities to people. And so what does that look like? That has to look like health insurance. That has to look like a 401k. That has to look like um, being able to increase prices so that your employees can always be getting raises because, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty simple formula, like revenue minus expenses is profit. <laughs> and so if your employees want more pay that increases your expenses, well, if you still need your profit, then you've got to increase revenue. That looks like usually a price increase, or it can, you can do other things to increase revenue, but simplistically, like that's what's going on. And so you've got to, as the salon owner, have a plan <laughs> to where you can provide people with a pathway of what a long-term relationship would look like with opportunity for growth. And as long as you provide those opportunities, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Right. And I do think there's some, there's some ease to um, being able to be in that position as a stylist where things are pretty much done for you. Um, because honestly, like my mistake for the longest time, I forced it on, even in the early months of this podcast, I talked about how all hairdressers are entrepreneurs. And I kind of pushed us in this category, like, well, if you sign up to be a hairdresser, you're an entrepreneur, whether you knew it or not. And actually at the end of the day, that's not the case. Not everybody set out in this world to be an entrepreneur. Cause to me, an entrepreneur means you want to run your own business. Now there's levels to, I guess, entrepreneurship again, air quotes with my fingers. Um, you can run your own said business inside of another business, which is what we do as hairdressers, right? You have your own book of business. Um, but the things that generally speaking, uh, an entrepreneur is in charge of are what a salon can kind of hold space for you for all of those things you just went over the marketing, the funnels, the revenue, paying attention to all of those kinds of numbers as a whole. And then you get the ability as the commission stylist to uh, reap the benefits of working for someone who has put all those systems and processes together. And more or less, you get to show up and do your creative work and then have somebody like Michelle's team of CPAs take care of your numbers. And that's kind of like the box that you have to, there's only a few things you need to check off in there because everything else is taken care of from the salon. Um, but if a stylist finds himself in a salon that doesn't provide all of that stuff and they're working commission, is there a certain number or revenue, you know, breakdown that you'll be able to give someone advice like, okay, yes, it's time to move on to possibly rental or yes, you're ready to open your own salon suite. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, a lot of things can vary here because um, do you have a non-compete agreement with the salon owner? Um, what does that look like? Um, you know, are you taking clients with you or are you going to build your own clientele once you leave? Um, but I think ultimately from like a high level perspective, everyone can do some like backwards math, <laughs> if you will. And you can just kind of look at it and go, okay, this is how much I need to make to, you know, you can kind of do different levels. This is what I need to barely make my bills. This is what I need to be comfortable. And this would be great, right. something like that. And then you back into, okay, so if I'm running my own place, then I need to have this much in revenue to be able to support that. And I can tell you as an independent, you can look at keeping about 50% of what 
you're selling. So assuming you have some kind of clientele though, because there are fixed costs like rent that are going to be there regardless of whether or not you have clients. But so you can basically take your, whatever you want your income number to be and double it. And that's what you need to do and revenue to be able to get there. So um, anyways, that's just kind of like some rough math of how people can kind of decide. But I, as much as I'm a numbers person, I feel like the choice to go out on your own is so not a numbers decision. Does that make sense? Like it's so much more about the lifestyle you're wanting in terms of freedom, um, you know, wanting to set your own schedule and wanting to be able to pick and choose your, the clients you work on and like having more control over your life. And I feel like that's probably like the bigger motivator than money <laughs> to, to start your own thing. And if that's, something that you feel like you're up for, if that's like what's calling you, then, you know, then go put the numbers together and figure out how to make it happen. hundred percent. And I think, um, that's where I was at when I opened my salon, it was kind of a push comes to shove with the space I was in. It was like either stay and figure it out, or it was time to move on. And luckily after 15 years of waiting, the perfect spot fell in my lap via one of my longtime clients. And it was in that, that yes, the numbers made sense. Cause I was already doing the numbers I needed in order to do that. But because I knew my numbers and I wasn't scared to put all those profit and loss statements together, plan out best case, worst case scenario, that gave me the confidence to say and ask myself those questions you just did. Am I ready to be a leader in this space? Am I ready to be responsible for everything, whether it's good or bad? And then, then I was able to make the decision. So you're right. Like it's usually not financially based. Um, yeah, I don't know anybody who opened a salon and said, I'm opening a salon to go be rich. Like, it's more of like, I'm opening a salon to create a certain culture and an environment where people can X, Y, Z. And I want to feel like this when I'm there. And I want only these kinds of clients in my chairs and I want to work with these kind of people. So that's great advice. And so, so true. Um, Cause I think sometimes we get stuck on the numbers and it's really about like, what do you want? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? Yeah. And it's a synergy. Like they work together. Like you can't just go in and be like, I want to create this culture and completely ignore the numbers. But like on the same side, you can't just like completely look at your numbers and ignore the culture and everything you have to create. It's, it's a synergy together. Totally. And I've worked for both type of bosses and I've coached people who were in that space too. I had a guy come to me one time who wanted to open a salon and he said, I have X amount of money in the bank and I, I don't care about making money. I just want to have like five people and I want them to be like this and this and that. And I, I said to him, Oh, that's cute. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, that sounds amazing. I go, but at the end of the day, if you own a business, you need to be profitable so that you can keep the doors open. And he was like, Oh yeah, you're probably right. I'm also don't, don't overlook that for fact too. Um, so that's amazing. So best practices for people who are wanting to start paying attention to their money, whether they have started or not. Um, I want you guys to get out a pen and paper. If you're not driving, I want you to save this podcast so you can listen to it later and really pay attention to some of these best practices. Like how often should you be checking your numbers and how many different accounts should we have? Because this is something I get asked a lot too with my new coaching students. And I know you have a couple, many actually posts on your Instagram that talk about all of this kind of stuff. So um, I would love to hear how you guys kind of work with your clients and how often you talk to them and when the check-in points are. Yeah. So, okay. I think it kind of also depends on, um, where you're at in your business. Like if you're a brand new business owner, um, it might not be in your cards at this moment to hire a professional. And I can tell you right now, if you are in that like zero to $50,000 a year of revenue, 
you're probably just fine DIYing. Like as long as you're getting a little bit of education about how to do it, you're probably just fine. Um, but um, I would say one on a daily, I think it's really good just to look at your cash balances and make sure like really quickly go look at your bank and make sure that you've got enough cash in there. Um, on, in terms of monthly, I think at least once a month, you need to do your bookkeeping as you grow, you might even consider doing it weekly, but for sure, at least monthly. And that's something that you want to, if you're going to outsource it, just work with your bookkeeper to make sure that you're both on the same page about that, because some places do it quarterly. Some places do it once a year. It's like, oh yeah, we'll do your bookkeeping in January when we go to do your taxes or something like that, um, which is yeah, um, like, that's great that it got done for your tax return, but, um, spoiler, like your bookkeeping isn't only for getting your tax return done. It's so that you can look at your numbers on a month to month basis and know if you're profitable. And so that you can lean into the things that are working. And it's like devastating to go and be like, oh, in January, I found out for the whole last year, I was doing all these things wrong. If I had found out in March, I could have course corrected. So that's, that's why we want to look at things monthly. Totally. Um, quarterly, you want to pay estimated taxes. Um, generally, you're going to file sales tax quarterly. And if you have payroll, you'll do payroll quarterly. Um, and then on an annual basis, you will file your tax return. Um, and then in terms of how we work with our clients. So I would say if you went to like any kind of average CPA firm, um, they're going to offer you like an annual tax return and maybe like some bookkeeping stuff on the side. And then you're not really going to chat with them about that <laughs> after the fact, like you're going to hand your stuff in for the tax return. They're going to do it. They're going to give it back to you file peace out. Um, that's like a very normal, uh, CPA relationship. Right. Um, but we don't do that. Um, and the reason why is because I just know the beauty industry so well. And I know that everyone needs to actually understand what's going on in their business. And someone might be doing the bookkeeping for you. Like that might make sense for you to outsource it, but you still need it explained to you. So, so we meet with our clients generally quarterly to go over what do your numbers look like? Are these reaching your goals? Like, what are your goals? Let's make a plan for how we're going to reach those goals. And that could be buying your building. That might be hiring new employees. Like it could be a lot of different goals, but whatever it is, we want to be there to support people in that so that we're not getting to doing the tax return and like, oh, by the way, you should have made an S-Corp election last year, but you know, that sucks that you didn't and you'll just have to wait till next year. So instead we want to be proactive about advising our clients so that we're getting the best results that we can. Okay. Yeah. That's huge because I know a lot of people that do DIY it themselves that make well over $50,000 a year. Um, but if you are starting out, there's so many free resources you guys can use to find that out, especially go to Michelle's page and just binge all of her content. Um, you'll get probably 80% of what you need to know in order to do a lot of that. But also having someone check in on your stuff from time to time, even if you aren't past the level of making 50,000 a year, is highly recommended. You can pay people just to look over your stuff and give you guidance. Um, aside from doing just the taxes is kind of how I started out. Um, and then now I do have someone do my bookkeeping, but you know, she doesn't talk to me about 
my numbers that much. And there probably are some things I could be changed, changing and doing better. Um, and hearing you say that actually makes me uh, want to call her and ask her because she, I think she goes longer periods of time between doing the bookkeeping. Um, and how often do we find that we're overspending or we're over budget, or we think we're making more than we really are. And then by the end of the year come, you're like, where did all my money go? You're like, well, you spent it. And had somebody told you, Hey, you're overspending here or, you know, what you're bringing in isn't equating for what you're spending, what we're, what's missing. Um, it's like when we overuse color, we mix up too much stuff and we have to throw it away. Like every time you throw that shit in the trash, it's like you're wasting money. So, um, okay. So that's huge. And then you also talked a little bit about having different bank accounts, which is something I've talked to a lot of my clients about if they're starting out is creating a separate business bank account. Um, and then you even went so far the other day, I think it was actually a couple of posts ago to um, promote another bank that you found that doesn't charge fees. So can we share that with the listeners? Because that was huge. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So like 100% you should be having a separate bank account for your business versus yeah. personal stuff. Um, and people are like, is it really that big of a deal? Um, if you love wasting time, then by all means, keep them together. <laughs> but if you value your time in any way, then you will separate those accounts. And yeah, so I love Relay Finance um, or Relay Financial, and you can just Google them, but they're an online bank. They charge no fees. You can have up to 20 accounts with them, which is like more than I would ever need. <laughs> um, I mean, generally, I would say for sure you need the checking account and um, a tax savings account, maybe another, um, just business savings account. And then sometimes people practice profit first. And so then they'll have a bunch of bank accounts for various reasons, but, um, it just kind of depends on, that's more of a personal preference thing, but I love the fact that they don't charge fees because it just like kills me every time. I'm like $15 a month per account. It's just like, come on guys. What's going on here? I'm pretty sure I'm paying about 12 at chase right now. And I have like four or five accounts. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the norm. So, okay. so yeah, I love them. The other thing I really love about them is that you can send an ACH payment for free. So what this means is it's basically like an e-check, like you can send money to someone else and you don't like, they don't pay fees and you don't pay fees for sending that money. Um, which is so nice. Um, especially if you're like paying, I don't know, like a contractor, like maybe someone who did web design for you or something like that. So you can have a very like formal way of making a payment without running into issues or the person you pay to clean the salon or the person you paid to take care of the plants in the salon or yeah, there's, there's plenty of people I've paid over the years that ended up, you know, Oh, I'll just write a quick check or I'll just, you know, you end up paying them Venmo and then you never documented in your, in your numbers. It doesn't even hit the, the books. Um, yeah, that's what she's talking about when she's talking about paying attention to all of that, because you know, I'll never forget the first time I went to a business, um, salon business class. It was before I opened my salon and there's probably like 30 people in the class. And the guy said, so uh, yeah, he started with some questions. How many of your salon owners, everyone raised their hand. How many of you have profitable salons? And I think maybe like half of the salon people raised their hand. And then he said, how many of you know how you make that profit? And like two people raised their hand. I'm like, so we have a, a room of salon owners and only two people out of like 40 people know how that they're profitable in the salon. Half of them knew that they were in the green at the end of the month, but they didn't know how. And that was just wild to me. And I remember thinking that is not going to be me when I open my salon, I'm going to figure this out. And so you've mentioned profit first. And I saw that on your, on your page too. So is that um, a way of doing business that you like? I, 
I am a believer in choosing a system and following through. Like you're going to waste so much time as a business owner jumping between different systems, if you will. So um, I think profit first is really, really helpful for people who feel like really overwhelmed around their numbers. They have no idea how to allocate the money and they just like need a system in place. I feel like that can be very helpful because the way the idea behind profit first is that you, um, all of your income gets deposited into one bank account. And then you take whatever is in that income account, and then you allocate it to different accounts, depending on where your expenses are and, and how you choose to. And then whatever is in that account that you've allocated to, you only spend that much on whatever that allocation is. So um, it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's like your grandma's like envelope budgeting method, but like for the new age. Um, so I... I've seen a lot of people use it successfully. I've also seen people like set it up and then not really like follow through on it. And so I just feel like if you're going to do it, like see it through before you can it. Like any good workout or any good nutrition plan, it works if you make sure to work it. Yeah. So it, what we're talking about profit first is a book by Mike McCallowitz. I think I was saying his name, right. But he, it's just a different way of paying yourself and like allocating money. It's like a system for budgeting, um, and how to run your business. So if you guys are struggling, are you looking for a new way and system? I would strongly suggest reading that book. They have a Facebook and an Instagram you can follow. They have coaches that actually teach it. Um, but like she said, if you just find something and stick with it, that's going to be your best bet. And I know for a lot of us creatives, we like to just like wing it and do things when they feel good. That's why we need people like Michelle in our life who put systems and strategy and all of that follow through in place. Cause I know a lot of us sometimes get too busy. And that's kind of what happened to me when I went from that 50,000 a year mark, Oh, you know, and pushed well over, you know, six figures is I didn't have time to do any of that stuff and things got skipped and missed and you know, at the end of the first couple of years, I ended up owing like between eight and 10 grand at the end of the year in taxes, because I didn't, I missed a quarterly here and I didn't do this, or I didn't save and I didn't have a separate account. And I don't even think I opened a business bank account until about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And it wasn't until I went to the bank and asked them, what would it take in order to get funding to open a salon? And they said, well, you don't even have a business bank account. So I was like, well, I'll open one now. So there was the teller telling me I needed one. No one had coached me through that. Um, so Let's spin the wheels here a little bit and go back because I read a, a post that you posted something that really like struck a chord with me because just the other day I was shopping at Cosmoprof for color and I noticed this is like the umpteen time I've been there that they've been out of a lot of stuff. And so you made a post the other day about supply chains and um, that they're lower than normal. So do you want to give us some insight or maybe trends that you see happening or maybe predictions that might happen for us going into the busiest season that we have now that a, we're reopened since COVID and um, B, people are busier doing more creative projects than normal. They need more shit and it's not there. So what is your best suggestion for us? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really tricky situation for sure, but this is one of those things where I would just kind of look at what's been going on in your business historically. And this is why it's so nice to have all of the data and QuickBooks so that you can pull that information. But you might look at your stuff and go, okay, um, you know, last December I spent, I don't know, $500 on back bar. Well, you know, my sales are up this year. I'm serving more clients. I'll probably spend 700 this year. And then that kind of gives you a number to work with, to kind of figure out like what you need to have on hand so that you can 
preemptively stock up without like hoarding or going over and like just letting your cash sit in color tubes on your shelves. Right. Yes. And that's what I noticed. And I, I said that actually to my assistant the other day, cause I came in with like a huge bag of color because finally they had the majority of what I wanted. So I bought more than I would typically buy at one said time. But that's the thing I said to her, as I said, I hate having money sit on the shelf. I go, but at least I know we're going into busy season and I know I will use all of this. And luckily, you know, our color doesn't go bad like vegetables. So we can kind of pre-stock up on stuff. And there was another guy at Cosmo Prof and I was there too shopping. He said he'd hop to a couple different places to buy what he needed as well. So you guys just pay attention to, you know, what it is um, you're going to need for the next couple months and pre-invest in yourself. Don't be scared to spend the money. You know, you're going to make it back. I kept a paper book for the first, I don't know, eight years. And every season when let's say we had a slow week or there was something going on that I wanted reference to, I would one, look around at the salon. Is everyone else going through the same thing as me? Right. And then two, I would go back. I'd pull out that paper book to the exact week of, let's say it was slow or crazy. And I'd be like, yep, I was slow this week last year. So it's like their data doesn't lie and paying attention to things um, is the most important thing you can do in your business. So Michelle, is there anything else that we can touch on? I know we just missed your program that you had not that long ago, I saw that you launched something. Can you explain to us what that was and um, what services you offer for those of us who are ready to use you guys? Yeah. So yeah, there are two ways that people can work with us. So the first is through beauty bookkeeping, which is our course that teaches you how to set up QuickBooks, to use it, to understand your numbers. And so it's the perfect thing if you're not really ready to outsource your accounting, or maybe you even are outsourcing, but you're just wondering, what the heck are they doing over there? Like, I don't really understand what's going on. Um, so that is a really good fit for a beginner. And then um, that course we're reopening in January. So if you want to go to my Instagram at small business CPA, you can jump on the link in my bio to sign up for the wait list. Um, so you'll be alerted to that. Um, but then in the meantime, maybe you're just like, you know what? DIY is not the right fit. This mama does not want to do any of her own stuff, um, then maybe working one-on-one -on -one with us would be a better fit. And we are accepting clients through the new year. So we'd love to have a chat and see what we can help you with. Yes. And you guys, I get so many DMs and questions around tax time um, for recommendations. And my best friend is fully booked. She can take, not take any more people. Um, so you guys, you have a whole team here of people that work together uh, who can help you guys really figure out your numbers. Cause I'm telling you, if you have any stress or anxiety around, do I have to be working this much? Um, how much do I actually have to be charging? What all of those things can be simply solved with doing your numbers and, and paying attention to things. And like Michelle said earlier, like reverse engineer how much money it is that you want to make and then work backwards. How many hours do you need to work a week? How many days a week do you want to work? And how many weeks a year do you want to work? You can figure all of that out to know exactly how much you should be charging, how much you can be spending uh, to make that exact revenue numbers. Like numbers don't lie. And what, what's the saying? I don't, um, I can't think of it now. I'm going to ruin it anyways, but like paying attention to that stuff. Once I started really paying attention to my numbers, my whole mindset on business shifted and it made me less afraid to like add other revenue streams into my business, uh, like this coaching program, like starting the podcast, uh, because these kind of things start out as a hobby. They're not profitable at first. So it's like taking that initial investment uh, to do something like this, like you even with starting your business, like what is the end game? Where do you want to be and what do you want to achieve with it? And it allows for you to like allocate time and money and resources into growing things. So 
if you've seen someone else do it, um, know it can be done too. And the easiest way to be stress-free is to know where your money is at all times. So you're not choked up at the end of the year having to write a check for $10,000 plus, right? So um, one of the things that's helped me the most is I have a weekly chunk that comes out based off of my quarterly projections. And that money goes straight from the income account into the savings, the tax savings account. And then every quarter there's exactly enough in there. And that check just gets written and sent off. And hopefully at the end of the year, I sent in a little too much and I get a few bucks back. So that feels a hell of a lot better than owing a huge chunk of money and even worrying about it. So Michelle, this advice is huge. You guys, if you need somebody one-on-one, please reach out to her. Um, and, and let us know what you thought of this podcast, because it was this helpful. Do you guys want more insight and strategy on how to take care of your business? We, we want to know. So Michelle, where can people find you again on Instagram? At small business CPA. At small business CPA. You guys can find that in the show notes too. So I want to have you back on um, after uh, when we're in the midst. Of, I know tax season is a bit of a bitch, but like right before, so we can promote your program. So if you guys want to get in, if you're a salon owner, um, or if you kind of are thinking of stepping into that space, having a team um, that can work with you is, is, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. So you're definitely going to want to be in a program like that to support you if you don't have clarity around that. So Michelle, thank you so much for today. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. All right. We'll chat soon. Take care. Bye-bye.